First of all, welcome to the Rainbow Umbrella podcast and thank you for tuning in. We set this podcast up for folks who identify as lesbian. Let me first introduce you to my co-host, Becky. Becky, hi, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. It's a nice sunny day, so a very good day. It is. Becky, do you want to talk about the objectives of the podcast and what we hope to achieve? Okay, yeah. So basically, we're trying to aim to create a a safe forum for us to share true life stories, um, chat about issues and our experiences, and generally just to encourage and empower women who identify as women to be true to their authentic selves. Um, Because it's all a bit scary. And therefore, what we're trying to do is nurture and reassure and inform and inspire them um, and us that it's okay to be who we truly are. Well, I think that's really where I believe our objective is about the podcast. Absolutely, yeah. And I suppose just a bit of background on myself and Becky. We met two years ago in September 2018 in the beautiful island of Lesvos off the Greek coast. There was a festival there. and We both returned back in 2019. We were both volunteering while we were over there. And in 2019, we talked about creating a podcast for folks that identify as lesbian and to based on the objectives that we've talked about. And then over the coming episodes, we'll interview women who've been married to men and have children and hear about their coming out stories, how it affected them, their health and their families. We'll interview authors and other folks who work in the community and hear about their stories. We'll talk about support networks for our women and also every week we'll discuss different LGBTQI content like films to watch, music to listen to, TV series and books to read and magazines and other content that is available out there. But first, let's talk about our stories. I suppose we all have a story of how we how we became or how we ended up here. <laughs> um, so, Becky, I know your story is quite interesting because you came out and then went back in and then came out again. Um, so, yeah, tell me about your story. Uh, anybody who knows me would know that I'm a truly decisive person. Not. But no, my um, story, I suppose, I, I never really fancied anyone as a, a kid. Uh, and into my teens, I just knew that everyone was sort of pairing off. Um, and um, I certainly didn't know there was such a word as lesbian. I just assumed you had to be with a a boy, a man. Um, but I do remember reading a story, um, which I'm desperately trying to find again, actually. It was, it was either in a Jackie or another teen mag that we had every now and again if we were lucky enough to get them could have even been a music magazine you know number one or smash hits or something like that um and there was a story in there and it was towards the back of the magazine and it was had a a sort of a pictorial um of the two main characters um one that had short spiky hair and the other one who had long glossy glorious hair and it was a picture of them in um school cloakroom sort of situation And I can't remember much about the story apart from this one girl with the long hair was incredibly upset about something or other. And the girl with the short spiky hair uh, was sort of consoling her and they, you know, had a really good talk. And then towards the end of it, uh, the girl with the spiky hair sort of held the girl's uh, face um, and with the long hair and brought her towards her and kissed her. And the last line was, and then I knew. And I don't know, I ripped it out and I kept it in my drawer. And I, I don't know what 
I was anticipating from it or anything. And um, I remember my mum finding it once as well, I think. So, um, yeah. But, you know, it went to the back of my mind. Um, I dutifully went off and had a boyfriend and almost got engaged. And um, then something upset me when I was at uni and I ended up um, sort of falling in love with my housemate who was engaged to a, a guy at the time. Um, and again, she consoled me. I, I cocked up something for the ideal job I wanted and it put my whole life on hold as I thought. Um, so it really upset me and I was upset and she consoled me and, and I thought, oh my gosh, this is a feeling I've never really felt before and I don't quite know what to do with it. So being me, who's totally honest and open, I told her that I thought I was in love with her. And she said, that's nice. Don't quite know what to do with that, but thank you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Bless her. And, um, and anyway, you were 20, story. what, 18, 20, 20? I was just last year of uni, so we're 23 probably. Okay. Um, at that stage. Um, I remember uni, which I think should have been a really, I did a four-year course. It should have been a really fantastic time for me, but I was really full of angst because as much as I was social, I had loads of friends. Everyone was pairing off. That never really happened to me. I had a couple of boyfriends, but nothing serious. Um, whilst all my uni housemates are still married to the, the person they met in their freshers week. So wow. <laughs> that's quite sweet. Um, me and my um, housemate, uh, she ended up splitting up with uh, her fiance and uh, got a job down in London and I eventually got relocated to work in London and we had a flat, a beautiful flat together. Um, but she wasn't comfortable being out with her sexuality. I wasn't either. Um, and therefore we never told anyone. And because of that, she actually needed to carry on sort of seeing blokes and living up to that pretense. So some weekends I was in what I would class as my bedroom and other weekends I was in the spare room, which I don't quite know why I carried on doing that. But I suppose we all learn that we cling to something um, that sometimes isn't very good for us, but uh, we do. So in the end, I managed to exit that um, relationship um, by, I'd, I'd already moved from London and um, I knew there was this girl um, at the new place I worked who had very short hair and spiky hair and very stereotypical um, looking like a, a very beautiful dyke. And I thought, well, I'm gonna go and chat with her. And it was a, a Christmas, do so went and chatted and anyway we ended up together for three months or so um and i introduced her because i was still friends with my friend or my first love shall we call her um and they ended up getting close and it was quite a painful story actually because we were all on holiday together uh so my first love came and joined us for the second week of our holiday and by the end of that second week they ended up together um, we were in a triple bedroom, so I got booted out of the, the double bed again and into the single bed. And I thought, what in the hell am I actually doing? Um, but anyway, the good news is they're still together 20 odd years later. And without perhaps me knowing them both, they wouldn't have met. Maybe they would have done. don't know. But anyway, after that story, I just thought, because nobody knew. And that was a really incredibly painful thing to go through. And I was totally isolated because I hadn't told anyone. 
family didn't know, my neighbours didn't know, my friends didn't know, maybe a couple of people at works, you know, had a, a suspicion, but as soon as they hooked up, I had to leave that job because it was it was way too painful to be, you know, it was just too, too raw. So I put myself back in the closet and went back, very career oriented, got on with life, thought, okay, I'm living in this beautiful family home that I'm living in on my own still. Um, and um, yeah, went back in the closet. And then eventually I thought, this is crazy. Did you date um, men during that time? Say again? Did you date men Sorry. during that time? Um, only the one that I sort of met a couple of times. Um, I'd, I'd gone out with at, at uni and he knew about my predicament. Um, so I was very honest with him. And um, yeah, and it's a perfect thing. You know, I worked in London. He lived in Paris and, you know, it, it was idyllic. I had my weekends in Paris and you know, it was just brilliant. But I remember going on a boat trip on the Seine and, and going under this bridge where you can make a wish and it would come true saying, please, can I fall in love with him? Please, can I fall in love with him? And I just couldn't. It just wasn't right. Um, so I just assumed I was a strong, independent woman that scared men off. And I also assumed that it wasn't right to be with a woman. So I could have easily ended up perhaps married with kids like everyone you know, assumes you do. But for whatever reason, that wasn't my destiny. Um, but in the end, I struggled so much with the situation with, you know, my first love and my ex that um, I had to tell somebody because it was eating me up. And they didn't do anything apart from treat me with kindness and, you know, sort of said it's OK. And I thought, OK, it's OK. And it was just at the infancy of um, Internet dating. So none of this malarkey that goes on these days. Um, mm -hmm. And I decided to go for it. And I met a woman um, and we had a very successful relationship for seven years. Um, and that was when was you were brilliant. in your 30s, was it? In your 30s? Yes, in my 30s. So, and that's when I sort of ended up, is when I was with her, that uh, she'd written me a very nice card. I lived about, I don't know, two and a half hours away from my parents. Uh, they had a key to my house and it was just when mobile phones would come in, so probably 2000. And um, I had a mobile phone in my very nice car and the phone rings from home and I thought, okay, that must be my girlfriend. But no, it was my mum and dad. And I was like, uh oh. Um, they let them very nice into car. your house. <laughs> yeah, they'd come up and not told me. And I had a film called Better Than Chocolate. I don't know if you remember it. And I think equally, if these walls could talk. So two lesbian movies that were on, you know, the big old VHS video things. And they were on the floor in my living room. And I had a very lovely card from my girlfriend at the time. Um, and I thought, uh-oh. Um, I don't quite know what to do. So I rang my friend who I was going to meet that evening for drinks. And um, I, she was the first person I told, you know, properly. OK, went to a counsellor before that and sort of chatted about it that way. But and I said, uh, I'm going to be a bit late tonight because I think um, my parents are going to find out that I'm actually gay. And um, she didn't really say anything and she said, no, it's fine. You, you turn up when you want to, but, you know, we'll, we'll see you later. And I said, aren't you going to say anything? She said, no, we all knew anyway. And she's like, oh, it's one of those, isn't it? <laughs> and I said, but what the hell am I going to say to my mum? 
Um, and she said, just say you prefer girls than boys. So I go in, I don't think I've ever been so nervous or dry mouthed or, you know, anything like that. And I walk into my own home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and my parents are sat there. And one of the first, I said, sit down on the other sofa. And one of the first things my mum said to me, you're not one of those in those videos, are you? <laughs> and I said, well, actually, mum, I do prefer girls than boys. And she went, oh, my God, I'm not going to have grandchildren. And I know at this point I said to her, I said, Mum, you've got three already. It's just they're not mine. Um, and she was not upset, but a bit weird. And my dad just carried on watching telly. <laughs> so at this point, I made both of them stand up and I hugged them individually. I, I never had hugs from my parents. I remember all three hugs I had from my mum in oh. my life. So um, that was a big thing. And I thought, no, I, I'm going to own this now. Um, that's the most difficult situation I'm going to be in, I think. They were, my mum never told anyone, you know, to the day she died, she never really, she just referred to my partners as friends. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad did speak about it and he always liked my partners, which was lovely. Um, and indeed, you know, he was really fond of my first love, as I call her, my uni first love, and they still corresponded right to the day that he died. Mm -hmm. um, so it was it was lovely. It's a shame I'm still a bit estranged from uh, those two. So my first girlfriend and my first love, um, because you know I, I was so hurt by them. I you know they tried lots to to be friendly with me, and I just in the end couldn't do it, and sort of wanted to hurt them back. So I dug my heels in. And that's probably one of the biggest regrets I have in life because uh, we've got mutual friends and it's just awkward and it shouldn't be and it doesn't need to be. And, you know, I'm, but that we are where we are with that. Um, so, yeah, that's a bit about my story. So, but again, you know, when I had that seven year relationship with my girlfriend I met on the Internet dating, um, the only three lesbians I knew were all my exes. Wow. And actually, until I not quite went to Lesbos that year, but certainly I, I managed to go on. A, I, I found another gay in the village. So I wasn't the only gay in my village. And we went on a walking group. Um, and that was the first time I've been on a group where I met some, you know, gay women uh, that weren't my exes. And it's like, yes, there are other people out there. It was massive to me. I cannot tell you how massive it was for me to know that I am not alone and I'm not weird and I'm you mm. know I'm just another person trying to survive in this mad mad world um and I'm not bad you know so all those things and then from that I met a group in Cambridge who I'm still a member of and I've got my best friend through that group but again you know I never really met anyone in that way romantically in that way um and then I ended up back on my own again and I thought, well, how am I going to meet people? So I volunteered left, right and centre and all the communities I could think of. And hence, it's when I met you, mm -hmm. 8.30, mm -hmm. one hungover morning cleaning the outdoor cinema, which happens to be the venue for our nights before. Um, yes, and then we got chatting. So it's, 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 it's an amazing um, world out there that we shouldn't be fearful of not finding other people who are like us. And that's mm -hmm. the beauty, I suppose, of the internet and the, you know the virtual world we live in today but i've waffled on way too much here so 
I oh, no, we haven't you. finished with you yet. We haven't. Oh, you talked no, about no. counselling. So you, you went to counselling in like in your late uh, late 20s, 30s? Late 20s, yeah. So eventually, um, I, I was blessed with my career. So I had free healthcare, um, yeah, what's it called? Private healthcare. Um, and I thought, well, I might as well use this because I, I was struggling. I still struggle with loneliness. It's, it's you know, it is a, a lonely world. I've got thousands of friends. I, I don't have any family left now. Um, and I am very blessed in that way. But, you know, that connectivity, which is why I live in the village, the community, um, which is why I belong to many, many groups now, is very, very important. Um, and I think we've lost sight of that. I know the world's changing as we speak at the moment, but, you know, we, we, we've lost sight of that. So, yes, um, I took the opportunity out thinking, look, I am depressed. I am not me. I'm a bit of an all or nothing person. So I'm either the life and soul of the party or I'm bringing the doom and gloom to the whole group. I even had it on my appraisal. You know, you, you affect the dynamics of the whole room. Um, so I think it was go and bloody sort yourself out so um i did and the counseling was phenomenal it was with a guy not that that matters you know i felt very comfortable talking to them um and it, it it's just we all have different issues don't we but a lot of it is based on the limiting beliefs we give ourselves usually by the age of 12 13 um and that's who we are and that's it and often they're the very negative connotations that we have um, and then we also are constrained by the upbringing that we have in terms of whether it be through religion or society or expectation of our parents and that brings a level of guilt that we maybe carry around um, so he helped me understand that it was okay to be me I've still got one of the books that he recommended I'm okay you're okay it looks a very old book now Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that, that was a good experience for me, but it was still very secretive. You know, I still didn't really tell anyone outside of. Well, I didn't tell anyone outside of him uh, at that instance. And then eventually, mm -hmm. I think my neighbour said to me, Becky, have you got something to tell us? And I had no idea what they meant by it. But um, she went out of the room and left me talking to my her husband um, and maybe one or two glasses of wine too much I, you know i eventually told him and everyone's been i've never had a bad experience about who i am or my sexuality never mm -hmm. um but that fear that and that constraint we put on ourselves is quite horrid sometimes isn't it yeah we need to give ourselves a bit more of a breather yeah. um but sorry that's that's got me a bit deep now no, but am i allowed to escape being spoken about or, or <laughs> can we do you a quick, are, quick break at the moment and just for our listeners becky's in the uk and i'm in ireland so we do this through video chat so um yeah we're not in the same room but no becky that was a lovely thank you for sharing your story because a lot of people and you'll hear people will have come out or have met women in their teens late teens and early 20s and then they end up going back into the closet and getting married and having kids and then in some cases the women will then come back out of the closet maybe at a later stage and a marriage may end or may have ended because of that so thank you for sharing that and your story no, absolutely and i suppose i'm going to be cheeky and ask the same of you so 
tell me a bit about mm-hmm. your story. So I suppose when you look back, when I look back, I think I should have known years ago, um, but I didn't. Um, so I came out in my 40s and it was a shock to the system. I really didn't know what to do with it. Um, that realisation, there was, you know, I'd always had gay friends. I'd had lesbian friends. Um, we hung out together, but then I met uh, a, a gay person and a woman and I was thinking, God, I really have feelings for this person. But I couldn't figure out, I, I didn't know what was going on. My head was melted. I, My health was being affected. I couldn't concentrate. Um, I just, I, I, I was all over the place. And that went on for months of me just not knowing what this is and really just questioning my sexuality and then looking back on my life, questioning that as well, because I had been in relationships with men, never married and never really long term boyfriends. I anytime a guy was getting serious, I'd usually back away or get out of it. So I didn't want any long term boyfriend in my life. If they were getting serious or talking about marriage, I was I was gone. Um, but in the end, I had to pick up a phone and 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 uh, look for help and, and counselling. I didn't pick up, you know. There's lots of lesbian helplines in every part of the world, in every country, in most cities, but that's not who I chose to call. Which, looking back, I thought that was interesting because I think I was still not sure what I was. So, um, I went to a counsellor, and she was amazing. And um, through a process of, of many, many uh, sessions, um, you know, she, she had asked me about different things and about my past and my past life. And and I think, you know, it was then that realisation dawned on me. It was like, oh, my God, my father had said to me 10 years ago, but you're a lesbian. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Um, so that was interesting, even having looking back and just all of those things coming to fruition um, during those counselling sessions. And um so then it was a process of trying to figure it out and where do I go and what do I do? Because my um, my lesbian friends had left Ireland. They weren't living here anymore. And I needed to figure out how do I find a community or a group of people that I can uh, find support and, and meet other people. So there's lots of really amazing meetup groups all over the world and the meetup app is out there. And there was uh, LGBT groups and I live just outside Dublin. so. I joined uh, a, a meetup group that was close, that was in Ireland and has over a thousand women in it. And um, I started attending some of their events. And, you know, it, it takes a while to find the people that you connect with as well. So the first event, I, you know, I, I, I met people, but I didn't connect in any way. And it was just all a bit scary. Um, the second event was a book club, actually, I went to. and. Before the book club meeting was due to start, let's say it was about seven o'clock, I arrived early. So I went for a walk and I was walking along the it was there's a pier close to, to to the where the book club meet was. And I remember looking at the water and going, I'd just be fair to just jump into that water. And I'm afraid of water. So um, rather than go to this meetup, I was so terrified and I'm glad I went because that's where I met my my people and um, they're still good friends today. I was at their wedding eight months after I first met them Um, really lovely group of people and very supportive as well. And that's when I started really knowing that this was the place that I wanted to be in. And I think my third 
I think I was invited to a meal after that. Um, and I remember just meeting someone and there was a bit of thunder and lightning moment at that that event and just going, yes, OK, I know I'm here. I know that I've never had a thunder and lightning moment with anybody. <laughs> so <laughs> having that and I was just like, oh, my God. Um, and that was just kind of to just to cement everything and to 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 for me to know I'm in the right place and that, you know, this is my path and I, you know, I've been on the wrong path for years and now I'm in the right path. So, um, yeah, the counselling was great and the meetup groups were amazing. And then it was time to start telling my family so and friends. So that was so hard. I think every time I try to tell someone, um, I would start with, you know, I need to tell you something. And then I'd break down crying. And then they thought I had a terminal illness. So then I had to start with, I need to tell you something. And the first thing I need to tell you is I'm not sick. I'm fine, but I still need to tell you something. And yet I'd cry and they'd still think I had a terminal Ill illness. I got better at that, by the way. <laughs> I, I don't cry anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's a hard um, up, isn't it? Because it's not a bad thing you're telling them. So you set them up for the worst and then actually, oh, what are you worried about yeah. then? <laughs> yeah, yeah, nothing, nothing's wrong. Um, some family members are like, but I knew that already. Yeah, you've always like, of course you are. <laughs> really, but um, yeah. So since then, life's been amazing. I've dated many women, um, and all lovely, lovely people, and met amazing people, and I'm just a real advocate of just giving people a safe space to come out in. Um, I know at the time when I was coming out, I wanted, I had no, nothing to listen to. Um, I, I, there was one DJ on our national radio and she was gay, but she never talked about being gay. I knew she was married to a woman and I'd listen to her just to connect with someone. So I just figured this podcast would be a great way of just people to, to, to listen to our stories, to listen to other people's stories that we talk to and interview. But you know, this really, the coming out process can really affect people's health and, you know, and, you know, it, it's so important to get help or talk to people. And, and, and it's vital that you find someone you can trust to talk to, go for counselling, ring an lesbian helpline, because you do need to talk to someone. And that's a, a huge part of this coming out process, just to be able to figure it out and have have a, a trusted, safe environment um, to, to, to be able to share how you're feeling. I totally agree and, you know, again, appreciate you with your candidness about... I, I'll tell you what I'm really interested in, if you don't mind me asking some more questions, is you already, you already knew um, people who were in the gay community. Mm. Um, you, you knew about lesbian helplines, yet you yeah. still were, you know, finding your feet, um, if that makes sense or finding another part of your anatomy, however you want to view it. But you know, in terms of that, that was quite interesting to me because I didn't have any reference points. You know, I suppose when mm -hmm. I first realised I was a lot younger or first questioned, I was a lot younger. And I didn't know, did really genuinely didn't know it was an option. How bizarre. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it wasn't until latterly, you know, thinking about and chatting about doing this um podcast that I remembered that story that I ripped out and put in that bedside drawer. Mm -hmm. So obviously yeah. something resonated there. But um, so that's interesting to me why or how you didn't end up sort of journeying down that road before. And I think that's probably why 
we needed some sort of counselling to help us formulate who we truly are because we obviously have a strong um, desire, if you like, to please our family or comply with the religion or comply with society and produce our 2.4 kids or whatever it would mm. be yeah. that stops us going off on, or is it, you know, I know my parents when I've told them and when I've heard of other people that have come out, you know, people who really love them, if they treated them with a, a negative comment, it's always been associated with they want them to have an easier life. Yeah. It's like that we're choosing a more difficult life for ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought that was really interesting. You saying you did have reference points, but yet still, you know, yeah. that. that um, but I also wanted to pick up on the point that it is incredibly weird when we first come out and we connect with little groups and stuff is that we're only there because our sexuality is the only thing we have in common. Mm -hmm. And just because we don't get that connection with the mind or our politics or our reason d'etre, you know, it doesn't doesn't matter. You know, keep trying because you will find, as you refer to, your people in groups as they go along. Um, so I don't know. Thank you. It's, it, again, it's always interesting to hear how other people sort of go through and work out who they are. And yeah. so you're happy now, aren't you? Oh, yes. Yeah, very, very happy. Um, very loved up like, and very happy. Very loved up. <laughs> yeah. I, ha I have a... I have a need to make Caroline um, blush every single time that we talk, so <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> and she does it successfully. Thank you, Becky. <laughs> so I suppose there's one other side of this podcast that we want to share with people, and that's just around content and what's available out there, because I always felt starved of content after I came out like what's out there to watch on TV or to read or to listen to. So every week we'll talk about different apps or music or, or films or TV programs. So I suppose the big one and I don't know, did you ever watch The L Word, Becky? It was the reason I ended up going on an Olivia cruise, which was one of my 50 things to do before 50. But that's another time, another story. So, yes, I did find yes. out about The L Word. Okay. Yes. So yeah, the L word has has six seasons and it started in 2004. I think I binged watched them over one summer, <laughs> all of them. And it's really a, a serious features like intertwined stories about the lives and loves of a group of lesbians and bisexuals that live in L.A. And the characters date, get into committed relationships consider having families, hook up, break up, question or their sexuality. Some stay in the closet, some come out and they do sleep around, but really good. And then what happened this year, 10 years later, after two, after the six seasons was over in, I don't know, 2010. So 10 years on, they released another season called the L Word, Gener the L Word Generation Q. So again, some returning cast members, but a really good uh, TV series to watch. You'd have to stream it off something, buy it online on the DVDs, but it's out there and it's a really just, it's a, you know, it's not heavy storylines or anything like that, but I highly recommend that if uh, if you haven't watched that before. Have you watched The the Next Generation? Have you been watching that, Becky? No, I probably gave up after the, maybe the third series, um, mm -hmm. but, um, I did really enjoy it because it was just, um, again, it's just showing communities and thinking, okay, there's that community that exists there. 
And it's like, okay, there's got to be a way, because again, I didn't really have any communities at this stage. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, if they've got that in the States, then maybe there'll be something like that in the UK. And that therefore planted a seed in my head so that when I did end up on my own again, and when I did end up ready enough to find out what was out there, and before the days of meetup, uh, it, it, you know, it did like that uh, little spark that I could go off and find my people. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I will watch the Generation X. Yeah. So, Next generation um, yeah. Q, yeah. 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 And then we have um, it's the L word Generation Q. Generation Q. Oh, see, so right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the I'm a bit slow. That's okay. Not <laughs> well, with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> so we also have Lesbos, uh, the Sappho festival coming up September 2020. It's 20 years, is it? 20 year. Reu it is, it's been yeah. going for 20 years. Yeah. yeah. So um, myself and Becky have been the last two years. We'll see about this year based on everything that's happening in the world as it's March 20th. Um, but we hope it will be on. And um, it is an amazing festival for people to meet other people. There's lots of workshops that take place at this festival. And that's how you get to know people as well. Um, and there's a beautiful beach and there's always something on every night and it's just a lovely place, a safe place. It's kind of like the L word, but on a bit more hyped up <laughs> for two weeks <laughs> in Scala Arosas on Lesbos Island, but highly recommended if anybody gets to go. Um, it's a very that's... special place, actually, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it uh, is. you know, the first year I went, I didn't know anyone, a bit like yourself. Um, and the second year, and you just walk, it's like one big prom that you walk along with various eateries or gathering places and then particular venues are picked upon to host an evening or a, an event. Uh, so you sort of congregate there if you need to. But this year it was wonderful because I don't know about you, but you'd walk along and people go, hi, come and have a coffee with us. Or So it really was lovely. Uh, and again, that sense of community, which was brilliant. And may mm -hmm. I mention one group as well at this point, because yes. um, because of everything that's going on at the moment and things are, are moving a bit more virtually. Um, there is a group out there called Road Trippers, which is on Facebook. Um, so dig it out. Uh, it's run by a, a great character called Voddy. And that's obviously because she's a teetotaler, not. <laughs> um, and as a consequence, um, many of the events that um, we the group was set up to do, which was mostly about uh, people who've got tents or camper vans or things like that to create sort of gatherings. Many of the events have gone online. So there's lots of virtual community that you could reach out to if uh, you need to at this precise moment in time. Mm -hmm. So that's Road Trippers on Facebook. Look out for someone called Voddy. Um, I think there's over 1500 members now or something oh, ridiculous wow, it only started a year ago so it's, it's a huge uh group and it's really needed and it tends to be most people of our generation um mm -hmm. who are still trying to find the connectivity but that's again mm -hmm. another topic for another day to, to see that the, maybe the youngsters don't quite need the same connectivity that we do uh, or they mm -hmm. have it already because they're more confident in their own skin Mm -hmm. Sorry, thank you for letting me do that plug too. No, no, gosh, no. And, and it's important to talk about things like that. So do, if you think of anything else, do share it as well. But yeah. that's it for our first podcast. So oh. we hope over the next podcasts, as I said, we'll be interviewing 
women who've been married and have had kids and have had to come out and to their family and husbands and, and, and children and talk about that and also talk about, you know, we'll, we'll obviously be interviewing a lot of other people as well in the community on their experiences. But Absolutely. Cheers, guys. All right. For myself and Becky, thank you and talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.